If you're a first or second time guest with us this morning, we're really glad that you're here. If you're watching on Facebook, we're really glad that you're watching on Facebook because today is only part two of the new series called Intimacy with God. I hope that you're blessed by being with us, and we really hope that the presence of God just wrecks you in a really good way, if he hasn't already through worship. We hope that your life is transformed by being here. That's our goal as a church, that we're known for the presence of God wrecking people and nobody knows who the pastor is. That's our goal. Last week, we started talking about intimacy with God with the help of Andy Stanley and some other resources, and we said that God created man in relationship with himself and for relationship with himself. And listen to this. Back then, there was no church for a while. There was no Bible. There was no daily bread devotional books. There was no tradition. There weren't a whole list of rules. There was only one. Don't eat from that tree. And God and man back then, they were with each other. And this wasn't just any relationship. It was an intimate relationship. Because intimacy is when you are fully known by someone, fully accepted by someone, and you have no fear of them ever rejecting you, no matter what you do. When this all began, there was no fear between God and man, none. It was the ultimate relationship. When God had it just the way he wanted it in the beginning, it was a pure relationship. There was no, rot no routine going to church every Sunday. There was no ritual. It was just a pure relationship. And since the, that day in the beginning, God has never changed his agenda for you. He just wants to be with you. Some of us are waiting till we clean up our act to be with God. He's like, no, no, no. If I can put up with Adam and Eve, I can put up with you. Just want to be with you. And plus, how are you going to change unless you or and introduce me into your life? Don't wait. Start by introducing me and asking me into your life, and then we'll get going. Okay? Last week, we saw this. We saw that God has a desire to be with us. From the very book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, to the very last, the book of Revelation. And there is coming a time, I hope you know, if you don't know, there's coming a time where God will be with man again in this unique, pure, intimate way. And it's going to be so intimate that the, that the word of God says in Revelation that he's going to wipe away all of your tears from your eyes. But as we know, something came along and messed up that pure relationship that God had with man, right? And that is what we're going to talk about today. And you need to know, the first thing you need to know today is that it was man who broke intimacy with God. God did not break intimacy with man. Man broke it. But let me just say something before we look at that, because I really believe you're going to learn something new, even, even those of you that are seasoned Christians. You may be reminded, but it could be brand new to you. The fact that intimacy with God has been broken is the reason that many of you feel some of the things that you feel today. When this intimacy was broken with God, it was like a plug was pulled out of our souls. And now, there, now there's a hole in our soul that we can't describe or understand why it's there. And we've been running around ever since trying to fill that hole with all kinds of stuff. And it was really when the intimacy with God was yanked out of the soul of man. 
And I'm wondering this morning, and Angel spoke about this a little bit in her introduction, have you ever found yourself at some point in your busy life thinking there's got to be more? There's just got to be more. There has to be more to waking up, going to work, coming home, paying bills, and going to bed, and then starting it all over again. There has to be more to this. Have you ever wondered that? That's the hole in your soul. It's because the most pure relationship that we should have has been broken. And now we live with this discontentment. You know, that we're never satisfied with our possessions, our status, or our situations. Am I the only one that fights with discontentment? And you know, most of us try to fill that hole with a lot of things. And yet when we're laying down at night all by ourselves with all of this stuff that we've accumulated, there's still no peace. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that almost none of us get to a place of ultimate satisfaction? Have you ever noticed that? You can even gaze at the most beautiful sunset and yet feel a bit of sadness. The reason is because man has lost his connection with the Creator. Do you know that some of us even try to fill that hole with religion? You've been to church after church, You've heard hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sermons. And you've done all the religious things that the religious people told you to do. And still, you have no sense of real peace. And you're just hoping that someone somewhere in heaven is writing down all the things that you're doing. I hope someone's keeping track of all the times I've been to church. Because I still feel like there's something missing. You're hoping that maybe, just maybe, the more boring the sermon is, the more points you get into heaven for sitting through it. Right? Come on. That's what we're hoping. Can I just share a little bit from my heart before we get started? I really believe that we're entering a time where people are looking for more. We're seeing it as a church. I'm also starting to believe that because of the culture we're in right now, that you can't just say the Bible says. Andy, Andy Stanley pointed this out uh, two weeks ago to Pastor Josh and I when we went to his conference. You can't just get away with saying, what do you mean you don't believe? Don't you know what the Bible says? They don't believe the Bible anymore. I believe that this is a critical time for anyone who considers themselves a follower of Christ to get connected or reconnected with God and quickly. For the two reasons that I spoke about. Number one, I think we're going to see a big flow of people coming in who want more. They're leaving dead religions and dead churches and they want more. And number two, a younger generation and specifically men, and the men will know what I'm talking about because this is the hole that they're feeling. Younger generation and specifically men who are going to have to see the supernatural acts of God in order to believe. Talked to Angel about a coworker that, that she prayed for this week that got healed, who laughed at her for years about what she believed. And now he's healed, and he's jumping around, and he doesn't understand it, but all he knows is he doesn't have to have surgery now. And I believe he's going to start asking lots of questions. And I believe we may see him in this building someday. We are in a time 
where we are in a post-Christian society. Christian is no, Christianity is no longer the ruling factor in people's lives. In fact, Andy reminded us that there are be, people where kids, your kids, when they go to college, they're being taught that Christianity is dangerous. I want you to think about it. All the miracles and signs and wonders that Jesus did were for one reason. To bring glory to God. So that, see, so that is so key in the word of God. So that people would believe. So my question to you is this. Are you ready? Are you connected to the power source? To the Father? And you know what? You can't be if you're, if you're living in sin and wallowing in sin. You just can't. I'm sorry, you can't. Do you realize that a lot of your friends don't want to come to church? And a lot of men do not want to surrender to God, and they don't believe the Bible. So they're going to need someone in their life who knows how to bring heaven to earth. And that's only going to happen if you are intimate with the power source, God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. You know what? All you have to really do is do a personal Bible study on Jesus and go really slow and be methodical. I want you to do a study, if you want, on your own of just the New Testament and Jesus' life, and I want you to write down, listen, I want you to write down what you see him doing and what you hear him saying, and then copy that lifestyle. Think about Jesus' intimate relationship with the Father. My recalibration coach, Andy Haskins, he said this on Tuesday in our first session in Williamsport, and it's my prayer for all of us to live this out. Jesus only did what he saw his father doing, and he only said what he heard his father say. Oh, boy, is this going to wreck your life. Because now when you have to meet your ex-husband to pass off the kids, <laughs> you know when usually the cops are called? Because you said something horrible as a Christian, just so you could win. We have to get this right, right there, there, right there. We could end this sermon today and say, everybody's dismissed. Go do this, and you'll be fine. Jesus only did what he saw his father doing, and he only said what he heard his father say. And we're to do what Jesus did. Okay? So today, that's my little bunny trail. Today, I want to address all the things, all of those things, as we look into the word of God together. We're going to look at a story of when intimacy was broken because it gives us some incredible insight on what you experience every day as you think about God. And you don't have to be a Christian to think about God, right? This story applies to all of us, and it will help all of us. Why we feel the way we do and why we struggle the way we do with God. But before we go there, you have to have some knowledge about intimacy. The first thing in your notes that you need to know is that intimacy cannot be forced. Intimacy cannot be forced. And God doesn't force it on us. Did you know that? Did you know that intimacy in your marriage cannot be forced? So women, listen to me. Nagging your husband is not going to work. You can't force it. In a marriage, you're just supposed to do what you need to do to make sure intimacy is there. And leave his job up to him and her job up to her. Think about it this way. Have you ever had someone who wanted to be your best friend, and they started forcing themselves on you, calling you nonstop and texting you over and over and over, and you kind of felt pressure to respond, 
But honestly, you, you weren't even sure you wanted to be casual friends with them. But for some reason, they're forcing themselves on you. We're best friends, right? We're best friends, right? We're BFFs, right? Right? Have you ever, has that ever happened to you? Do you know why that's so awkward? Because true friendship, true relationship, and true intimacy, it means both people have the opportunity to freely choose to enter that relationship. Does it make sense? Both people have the opportunity to choose. So don't miss this. This is really important, and a lot of theology hangs on what we're going to talk about today in your notes. For God to experience authentic intimacy with mankind, God had to give to man the awful but wonderful gift of the freedom to choose him. In order for intimacy to happen, he had to give us the freedom of choice. It's so interesting how this works. We want freedom, and yet we don't. We don't want freedom, and yet we do. And we struggle with God. This message is so huge. It's, it, I hope that this message on Facebook goes out even to the people in Florida that are struggling with the death of their children. Because we struggle with this. We struggle with freedom. And yet we want it so bad. For God to experience authentic intimacy with you, he had to give you the freedom to choose him. Maybe when God decided this in heaven, the angels were like, whoa, dude, what are you doing? Wait a minute. Don't you know about Mark Letcher? You give him the freedom to choose. You give him the power to choose. He's going to create unimaginable evil. If you give that to man, you're giving them the power to create unimaginable evil. When you give man freedom, you give them the freedom to reject you. You give them the freedom to bring about so much pain and chaos. What are you doing? And you know what? That's exactly what happened. This is what we're seeing and what we experience every day in our lives. But don't miss this in your notes. In spite of the fact that God knew that man would abuse, abuse the gift of freedom, he gave it to us anyways. You know why? Because that's how much he values having authentic relationship and intimacy with you. Even though he knew we would abuse it, he knew the only way for you to fall in love with him and have intimacy was to let you choose him and to reject him. Intimacy can only come from the freedom to choose it, not forcing it on you. There's a quote that I threw in here that um, Andy Haskins, you're going to get confused between Andy, Andy uh, Haskins and Andy Stanley, but Andy Haskins is my coach that's leading us through this recalibration that we're working through this summer and into October. I really thought it was worth putting in your notes, and the leaders at the leadership training uh, last month uh, and yesterday heard it, but you can apply this to any aspect of your life. What you believe will determine what you value, and what you value will determine what you do. What a, what a church believes will determine what they value, and what they value will determine what they're going to do. We're in the process right now of rewriting our values, because that's going to determine what we do as a church. Well, in the case of today's message, I want you to think about this. God valued having an authentic, intimate relationship with you. And that determined his decision on what to do about it, not to force you. 
because that's not how authentic intimacy happens, but to allow you to choose him, even though he knew that many wouldn't choose him. That is an unbelievable thought. But it's not as far out there as we think it is, because all of us have had children, and we've made somewhat of that same decision that God did. Uh, Parents, I want you to think about this. When you have a child or you adopt a child, there is a depth of love that you experience that until that point, you've never had. Right, Dusty? Dusty just had a baby. Grandparents, I know this is true even with you with grandkids. Now that I'm in that category, I'm still real young, though, but I'm in that category. I know now that grandkids make love. I'm in a category of love that I've never experienced before in my life. Listen, you would die for that person, and they had never done anything for you yet. But you would die for them. When they get older, you want to kill them. But when they're younger, you just, you would die for them. And they've never done anything for you. So listen, with that category of love also comes the potential for an unimaginable pain and turmoil and disappointment in your life. Your children could die. They could walk away from God. They could get hooked on drugs. They could just end up hating you someday. But you know what? Most of us decide it's worth the risk. When you bring children into the world, you bring into your life the potential for unimaginable pain and turmoil and chaos. And God had the same dilemma. And God said, I'm going to give them freedom because that's how much I value the relationship. So he gave man the opportunity to not choose him because that's the only way to have authentic relationship. And you know something? I hope you really tune into this. This is part of the Christian solution to something that we are all struggling with from time to time. And it's this. God, if... If you were a good God, you would stop all the pain, evil, and suffering in the world. If you were a good God, what happened in Florida wouldn't have happened. Do you know what God would say? Okay, I'll stop all the evil and suffering in the world, but everybody line up. You have to turn in your freedom card. Turn in your freedom card and I'll stop all of it. But you have to give up your freedom. And when you give up your freedom, you lose intimacy with me. And you know what? I'll start being the God of the Old Testament again. You make a mistake, I'll destroy you instantly. What do you want? See how we struggle with it? As much as we want to shake our fists at God for all that's happening in the world, he gave us what we prized the most, our freedom to choose. He didn't create evil. He did create the potential for evil, but he didn't create evil. Now, I want to look at a story where a man gave up all of the freedom that he had. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Genesis, very first book of the Bible, chapter 3. It'll be up on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the chairs in front of you. You can just follow along on the screen. We want you to bring your personal Bible so you can start making notes and writing notes, because I believe you're going to hear something fresh today from our very first humans, who were such good little servants of God. They just loved him so much they never made a mistake. 
by the way, I, I believe what we're about to read because Jesus believed it. Remember we said, well, what, what, what about Mark, but Pastor Mark? You said, don't say it because the Bible says it, and you're, just, you're about to read the Bible. We're not talking about throwing out the Bible. We're talking about being, being, having more knowledge about the way you're presenting the Bible. Instead of just saying the Bible says it, why don't you say Jesus said it, and, he, and I have historical proof that he walked the earth. The Apostle Paul said it. John said it, and John was with Jesus. He saw Jesus. He walked with him. He saw the crucifixion. He experienced it, and he saw Jesus when he rose from the dead. So that's a guy you can believe. That's all we're saying. We're not throwing out the Bible. It's just rewording how you present it. I believe what we're about to read because Jesus believed it. In Matthew 19, Jesus talks about Adam and Eve as if they're real people. In fact, he uses them to win an argument. And in Luke 3, there's a historical genealogy chart that shows that Jesus and Adam were related. I mean, this wasn't a fairy tale like Hanson and Gretel. You have to understand that. And just for argument's sake, those of you that have been to college or are about to enter college, who are you going to believe more, Jesus or your professor? Just say this to anyone who tries to refute Jesus. Just say this to them when they tell you that it's not real. As soon as you, dude, can predict your own death, predict your own resurrection, and actually pull it off and have over 500 witnesses to the fact that you rose from the dead. In fact, you know what? Forget that. If you can just bring your best friend back to life. Because I'll bet you that your professor never did any of those things. Oh, he can do some fancy illustration of why the Bible's not real with a glass of water. But can he raise his best friend back from the dead? Listen, I'm a simple man. I don't complicate things. If a guy who rose from the dead says that Adam and Eve was real and they actually walked the earth, that's who I'm going to believe. I just keep it simple. Thank you for allowing me to entertain you with that. We better get back to the story before I get fired, right? Genesis 3, beginning with verse 1. We find man, both him and her, exercising the freedom that God gave them. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the servant, we may eat from the... From the trees in the garden, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Do you know what the lie was that broke intimacy between God and man? It's the one that you struggle with almost every day in your notes. The lie is, if you obey God, you will miss out on better things. That's the lie. That's it. That's the big lie that we struggle with every day. If you obey God, you will miss out on better things. You can add different words. If you go to church, you will miss out on better things. If you if you go to that Bible study, if you hang out with Tommy, you'll miss out on better things. 
Listen, Tommy doesn't do the things he used to do, so if you hang out with him, you're going to miss out on better things. Tommy's boring now. He's, at one, he's one of those Jesus freaks. He, all he wants to do is talk about God. You're going you're to miss out. The enemy whispers, Eve, Eve, there's something out there that you don't know about. There's something out there that you don't know about. Your eyes are not open to some things, and I want to open them for you. Your parents kept you for some things. They've tricked you. The Bible's a fairy tale. It's not real. Let me show you the truth. That's what the enemy was saying. If you follow God, you're going to look back on your life, and you're going to have regrets. You'll miss out. That's the lie. And every day of our life, Christian or non-Christian, you are tempted to believe the same lie. And we're in a culture that says, look, if you wait to have sex in marriage, you'll miss out. If you try to run your business God's ways, you're going to miss out. If you handle your finances the way God tells you to handle them, you're going to miss out on lots of debt and stress and phone calls and pressure and bills. And the lack of buying things because you did it your way. Submit right. If you're going to actually run your marriage the way God tells you to run it, you're going to miss out. Who came up with this submission thing? By the way, the Bible says submit to another, one another. It goes both ways. You're going to wait for a Christian husband? Oh, man. Good luck with that. You're going to miss out. You're going to be single for the rest of your life. Your wife is not meeting your needs. God says don't go to the tree of porn and adultery. You have the right to choose. Go ahead. Everybody else is doing it. If you don't, you'll miss out. That's the big lie. You will miss out if you do it God's way. It started in the Garden of Eden. Listen real closely to this. It started in the, it started in the Garden of Eden. And Satan has stuck with that lie since then. You know why? Because it still works with you and me. It still works. So listen closely. It was that lie that broke intimacy between Adam and Eve. And it's that lie that affects intimacy that you have with your heavenly father because intimacy and trust go hand in hand. Do you understand that if I can't trust my wife, it's going to affect everything about our relationship? Right. Remember what we said last week. An intimate relationship is one where you know everything there is to know about me and you accept me and love me anyway. But if I can't trust her, I'm going to start keeping secrets from her. And we also said last week that secrets kill intimacy. It's true with God and it's true with your wife, except good luck trying to keep a secret with God. Secrets in an earthly relationship kill intimacy. So if you live day after day after day thinking, I'm not sure I can trust God with my marriage, my job, my kids, or my finances, then the consequence of that is that you're going to fall for the same lie that Eve fell for, and you're going to miss out on intimacy with God. Now listen, I know your homework assignment last week was to spend some quiet time with God. I don't know if you actually did it and what you experienced. I hope you experienced some really good, crazy things. Share them with everybody if you did. But I have a new kind of twist with this because intimacy doesn't just come from quiet time with God. In your notes, 
Intimacy with God has far more to do with trusting God with every area of your life than it does with having a consistent quiet time. Intimacy with God has far more to do with trusting God than just having quiet time with him. In other words, you can have an incredible prayer life, but if you're holding back on God, if you're holding out on God, you're, gonna, you're never going to know him. Because trust and intimacy go hand in hand. And Eve fell for the lie that God can't be trusted. If you stick with God, Eve, you're going to miss out on something better. Another quote from my coach, Andy Haskins. I just want to share this stuff. The guy just blows me away sitting in the room with him. He came to a point in his life where God actually spoke this in an audible voice. Most of us don't have a sin issue. Most of us have a love issue. Most of us don't have a sin issue. We have a love issue. What did Jesus say? If you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you'll obey me. So why do you keep doing the things that you keep doing that you know harms our relationship? You know why? Because you really don't love what I did on the cross for you. You really don't love me. You don't appreciate what I did for you. You take it for granted. I'm thinking that the only reason that so many of us can be so comfortable with sin and believing the lies of a serpent is because of a lack of love for someone who poured out his love for us and was crucified on our behalf so that we could be free not to sin. We're supposed to live holy lives. We're supposed to flee from sin. And we're supposed to have intimacy with the Father by obeying him. We don't have a sin issue. We have a love issue. The bottom line is this. When we choose not to obey God, it's because we think that we will miss out on something better. We basically say to God, you know what? I know you created the heavens and the earth. I know you created the universe and you lined up all the planets perfectly. Do you notice? I know that you parted the sea. And I know that you actually caused food to fall from the sky. You've got to read your Bibles. And I know that you can walk on water. I know that's a miracle because I tried it the other day and it didn't work out so well. <laughs> right? And I know that you saved Daniel from a lion's den. But I'm just not sure you can handle my life. That's what we say to God. It all boils down to we don't trust him. And a lack of trust in God destroys intimacy. And I'm talking about trusting him with the practical things of your life. I'm talking about your marriage and your kids and your money and your jobs and your business and your car and your debt and your coworkers and your home and so on and so on. That is why we can be very religious and yet still be disconnected from God because you're holding out on him in some areas of your life. Do you know what Adam and Eve discovered? They discovered that what the serpent said, there was actually partial truth to it. They actually found out that he wasn't completely lying, that there were some things that they were missing out on if they stuck with God. But what they were missing out on were not good things at all. And I want to look at some of those things. Verse 6, let's pick up the story. Verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave to her, some to her husband. Now, she didn't have to convince Adam 
Adam, I want to do something bad. Will you join me? Adam was right there with her, men. He was right there. He didn't have to be convinced. He ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, verse 7, and they realized. They realized. They learned. They gained insight. Aha! So there were things that we didn't know about. There were things that we've never felt before. There were things that we've never experienced. God was holding out on us. They realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Wow, I mean, what a mean old God. This old man, do you know what he was making us miss out on? Shame. Look at the end of the passage. I don't know if you've ever realized what it says at the end of the passage, and you can read this one or two ways. But when, they, when shame got introduced into their life for the first time because they broke intimacy with God, they took off in different directions, away from each other. You can read it as Adam and Eve made coverings for themselves. In other words, Adam went one way because he was naked, and he was like, uh-oh, she's looking at me. And Eve went the other way, or they just ran away from God. Regardless, it gives us our definition of shame. Do you know what shame is? Shame is being so uncomfortable with yourself that you're uncomfortable being around other people. You feel so bad about yourself and how you see and think about yourself, it makes you uncomfortable to be around others. Adam and Eve never knew this before. Why? Because up till now, they were in an, env in an environment of complete trust, complete transparency, being fully known and being known, no secret, intimacy at its best, but now... They are experiencing something new. The enemy was right. Something different. Exactly what the serpent promised. Because broken intimacy with the Heavenly Father produces shame and guilt and separation. He was right. The enemy was right. I did experience something new, but it wasn't good. Broken intimacy with the Heavenly Father produces shame and guilt and separation. You know this is true because you walk in here on some Sundays knowing that some people in the room know that you've sinned and you think everybody's thinking and talking about you and you leave the church over because you just think everybody's judged you. First of all, you don't go to a church like that. We're praying for you, but we're not judging you. And we love you. But isn't it interesting that when we walk into a room of people with sin, we think everybody's thinking about us and judging us and hating us. That's not true. You're thinking that. Because that's what shame does. Shame, sin, you can use either word, because shame is a stronghold. It causes you to be uncomfortable around other people. And we're just here to love you, but you're the one uncomfortable. We're not uncomfortable with you sinning. Because we know exactly what you, we've either been where you are or we're actually sinning in another area. So we're all in this together. But that's what sin does. Sin makes you think everybody's staring at you. Everybody's talking about you. Everybody's whispering. All it takes is somebody to lean over and go, is, isn't God good? That worship service was awesome. The sermon is probably going to be better. And the guy in the back who's living in sin is going, they're talking about me. Because I didn't raise my hand. 
because Tommy saw me at a bar last night. Isn't it? That's what sin does. Verse 8, the story goes on. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? How many of you know he knew exactly where he was? Verse 10, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Wow, what a mean old God. Do you know what this mean old guy was making them miss out on this whole time? Not just shame. Fear. But now they're experiencing something brand new, something different, something the serpent promised. Broken intimacy with the Father produces fear. Think about how the enemy has used fear in your life to keep you in his grip. Especially with the practical things in your life. You know, the things that you don't believe God has any control over, like your finances, your children, your job, your future, your career, your marriage, your future marriage. And every day the, the enemy keeps us in the bondage of fear over these things and he convinces us that God can't, he won't, he must not love you, he must not care, you can't trust him for anything. So we allow fear to rule our thoughts, our decisions, and our desires, and our direction. And we end up turning to ourselves to fix it. You know, the God we really worship and love and trust. And we walk away from the one relationship that we can have true intimacy with. Teenagers, listen up. This is really huge. Do you know what Adam and Eve finally discovered about God after their eyes were opened? That most teens eventually realize about their parents? That God kept them from some things because he loved them. Because he wanted to protect them. And because he desired uninterrupted intimacy with them. Teenagers, don't listen to the serpent. Your parents are saying no to that thing because they love you and they want to protect you from some harm that you don't see and they want an uninterrupted relationship with you because sin divides children even from parents. Right? Come on, let's be honest. Our earthly relationships are a mirror of our heavenly relationship. Parents, are you happy with me? I'm working with you. I'm trying. I've had them. I know what you're going through. The story goes on and it gets much worse. There's so much insight in every single verse of this passage. I hope you're listening. Verse 11. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, men, when I read this next one, watch your comments. The man said, the woman. The woman. Yeah! We got to the problem, God. We got to the problem. It was the woman the whole time. But you don't see the next word. The woman you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Adam was the first person to do what you and I do many times. We say to God, God is the reason that I have trouble in my life. The reason I have trouble in my life, God, is you. You put the woman in my life. Tommy, don't laugh out loud. You're going to be in trouble later when you go home. Be careful. 
I know you're struggling, but you gotta, you got to learn to control that. Keith is not laughing at all out loud. He knows. He knows. He's controlling it. Yeah. <laughs> he learned. Guess what? Guess what Adam and Eve are experiencing? Something new. Something different that the serpent promised they would. Because broken intimacy with the heavenly father produces a lack of faith in your heavenly father. And Adam and Eve have never felt that before this choice. And now suddenly God is someone to blame for all their troubles. And never once did Adam and Eve ever say, and you never hear anybody saying it today, that the problem with the world is the freedom of man. Oh, no. It's always the problem of this world is God. No one ever prays, God, take away our freedom. Because you and I are suffering the fallout of that decision that day. And we, like Adam and Eve, we want to say, God, this is your fault that my child died. Where were you? Don't pray for me because God was nowhere around when this happened. Here is something else we tend to do. And I'm going to work with Justine here. Look at the passage again with different eyes. With different eyes, look at this passage. The woman you put me here with, she's the one that gave it to me, and I ate it. In other words, take away her freedom, but not mine. She should pay, but not me. So get ready, lift up your toes. We're okay with someone else losing their freedom, aren't we? But oh, are we protective of our own freedom, aren't we? And all God's people said, Verse 13, I'm not going to linger on that one. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Oh my word, what is going on? Right from the beginning of Genesis, and just like in 2018, no one is responsible for anything except the pastor. I just added that, that's not true. Don't we live in a society that no one is responsible for anything? No one owns up to their mistake. It's always someone else's fault. All because they thought they would miss out on something if they trusted God. Now, the rest of the story is unbelievable. In fact, the rest of the story is going to launch us into next week's message. Do you know what we see in the very next few verses? We see the God of the universe who's been wounded, who's been put off and rejected even though he's created the perfect environment for Adam and Eve. And this decision that they made has now introduced sin, introduced pain, and introduced unimaginable chaos into the world that we're suffering from today. And do you know what God does? Look at verse 21 with me. He showed a little bit of his anger, and then he gets down to the intimate God. Because you know what? Revelation doesn't look so cool for people who don't choose him. So there is a part of God that we must have a healthy fear of. But it always comes down to intimacy. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. You know why? Because he still loves them even though they made a mistake. He still cares for them. He still wants a relationship with them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. 
He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And this is where God begins his pursuit to reconnect with man. Man moves away from God. God always moves toward man to reconnect with him. Man moves away. God moves toward. Man moves away. God moves toward. And he begins to provide for them even though they don't deserve it at all. Honestly, if you think about it, we're in the beginning of this story. We're only in Genesis 3. Why not just wipe them out and start over and go, oops, made a mistake. Adam and Eve, gone. Zach and Kristen, yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple that'll get it right. Don't eat from the tree. Dude, after what I just saw, don't worry. You know, no. This is really what happened in this passage that we don't see in your notes. God introduces something new into his relationship with mankind. He introduces grace. Grace means I'm giving you something you don't deserve. God could have struck them dead, right? Started all over. I mean, we're only three chapters into the story. Why not just respawn? Those of you that play video games, did I get it right? Is that what you call it? All right. I don't play them, so. God's grace, God's grace was to clothe them. And from here on out, you'll always see God moving in, moving in, pressing in, pressing in. He's constantly trying to reestablish and reconnect with man. And it's grace upon grace upon grace because God will never change his agenda because we already know the end of the story, what we read last week. That in Revelation, after he kicks Satan's hiney, and he ends it once and for all. He just wants to sit with you, wipe your tears, and be with you. We already know the end. And he wants intimacy with you and me. And listen, this is so huge in your notes. This is huge. This is what I want, to wa want you to walk away with. Just as their sin didn't stop God's desire to have a relationship with you, your sin doesn't either. That's freedom right there. Get over yourself. So you made a mistake. No one here expected you to be perfect, and your creator didn't either. Adam and Eve started the ball rolling, and he didn't give up on them. And they're related to Jesus. And so are you, by the way. God will not give up on us, ever. He knew that we would abuse the freedom to choose but he's still relentless in his pursuit of our obedience to him and intimacy with him. And because God continues to pursue us, because he already wrote the end of the story, remember, which includes victory for those who choose him, by the way. And you realize the story could end before you get home today. Are you ready? Are you connected? Because when we are connected, he doesn't have to continue to pursue us. Do you know what happens when he finally gets you and you submit to him and surrender your life to him? We get to join him in pursuing other sheep, lost sheep. We get to partner with him, and you miss out on that when you're lost yourself. I hope you really hear me on this. We're not going to be rewarded in heaven for church attendance. We're not going to even be rewarded really for choosing God. Yes, you're going to get a banquet. You're going to get to walk on streets of gold. That's going to be unbelievable just for believing. But I'm talking about the reward that you have the opportunity to lay at Jesus' feet 
And that reward comes from what you accomplish right now on this planet while you're alive in the human flesh by partnering with God. And I don't know about you, but the one thing that I'm looking forward to, I used to say, is to just meet Jesus face to face. But now I can't wait to lay something at his feet. I don't want to go empty-handed. Some of you are going to go empty-handed and you'll still get to meet him and you'll still get to go to the banquet. But some of us are not going to have very much to lay at his feet because we wasted our time working, paying bills, going to bed, and waking up and doing the same thing over and over. People who are kingdom-minded are going to have an amazing treasure to lay at Jesus' feet and we're going to say, thank you that you gave me the opportunity to partner with you to make sure that all these people behind me know you. That is why we have to get over our own stuff. That is why we have to get over our anger towards God. It's not his fault. It's man's freedom of choice that is causing all the chaos and evil and pain and even death. So if you're here this morning and you know in your heart that there is an an area or areas of your life that you cannot trust God with. That's the thing he's going to go after. And the reason that he's not going to let up until you let it go is not because he sees you as a bad person. It's because he sees it as a barrier to intimacy with you. And he will not give up his agenda to know and be known without the fear of rejection. So in your notes, whatever it is that you fear or worry or have a lack of trust about, that is what God wants you to surrender. Listen. Right along with that, this is so huge. When I heard Andy Stanley say this, I just, I just wept in my office. It's not because he's after you. It's because he's after you. He's not after you. He's after you. Do you know why we have a hard time giving up something to God? It's because we actually value what we have in our hands more than we value God. God, I trust you with my eternity. eternity. I know I'm going to heaven, but you can't have my money. I earned that. I value that more than you. That's why churches are struggling with tithing. Because some of you are struggling with what you value, what's, what's in your hand. God, I trust you with my money and with my job, but you can't have my marriage. Remember, what you believe will determine what you value, and what you value will determine what you do. If you don't believe the promises of God for your life and trust him, then your value system is based on what you can control, and that will determine what you do with your money, your marriage, or your career. But if you believe the promises of God for your life and trust him, then your value system is based on what he can do, not you. And that will determine what you do. And guess what you will do if you partner with God's values? Supernatural things. Your life will no longer be boring when you go to sheets because there will be signs and wonders and gifts flowing from you. You will change and transform other people's lives. And you don't transform them by getting on Facebook and ripping into them. Can you imagine living a life 
where you are constantly 24 hours a day bringing heaven to earth. All to bring glory to God, right? Just like Jesus did, not for our glory. (laughs) Can you imagine if we get this right? Those are the kind of believers I'm convinced now that I want to hang out with. Those are the kind of believers that are connected and have intimacy with God. So the issue is, can God be trusted? And don't be religious if you're going to pursue intimacy with God. Don't be lukewarm. The issue is, can God be trusted? The question is, what are you holding on to? He doesn't want your money. He wants you. And if you don't trust him, he doesn't have all of you. And until God has every part of you, there's going to be tension in your relationship. There's going to be conflict with your heavenly father. But when you trust God with that thing, your faith is going to intersect with his faithfulness and you will fall on your knees and you will worship him because of how alive and real he will become in your life. Let me end with this statement and a scripture in a minute. You're not going to trust God and miss out on good things. (laughs) Let's turn it around on the enemy. Let's turn the lie around. You will not miss out on good things if you surrender your life to God. You will not. But if you refuse to trust him, you will miss out on good things. Oh, but you'll experience some new things. The serpent promises you shame and guilt and separation and lack of faith and fear and lots and lots of other things. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. That means anything that your heart gets attached to, even a boy or a girl. Trust him with that. Trust him with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. But what if, God, what if, Mark, what if? What if Susie says this? What if Dr. Phil says this? What if my professor says this? Do not lean on your own understanding. In what? All your ways. That means your marriage ways, your business ways, your sex ways, your finance ways, your dating ways. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight, which means he will get involved in every detail of your life. He's not after you. He's after you. Let's get it right. Let's take out our connection cards. Hallelujah, Jesus. Wow. Maybe you're here today. You've never heard about God like this before. You've always heard that he's a mean old man and he rules with an iron hammer and he just waits for you to mess up because when I read the Old Testament, that's what I read. Well, you know what? We don't live under the Old Testament anymore. We're under a new covenant. That's not the God we serve now. And actually, he was never that God. It just that, that was necessary for then. That's not how he rules today. There is a side of God that we have to have a healthy fear of. But guys, he's a God of love that loves you regardless of your sin. He showed that from the beginning, and he means it all the way to the end. 
And if you're here today and you've never asked the Lord in your heart, check box one. It's not checking the box that, that uh, starts it. You have to trust him with your life. Don't wait to get cleaned up before you get in the shower. We don't do that. We don't take a bath before we get in the shower. Sounds ridiculous, but that's what many are saying. I have to wait till I fix my life in order to go to church. No, no. Just jump in. Maybe you're here and you just fell away from the Lord and you just need to renew that relationship. Similar prayer. Father, just forgive me for walking away, for being angry at you, for my mom dying, for my mom having cancer. Forgive me. I know now that you never wanted her to die of cancer. You never created cancer. You're not someone who created evil. Forgive me. I want to come back into a trusting relationship with you. But for most of us, maybe in the room, it's just to learn to trust God, that third box, with all of our heart and submit to him all of our ways. You know what area he's pointing out right now, and we're just going to pray. And after we're done, you can place those in the baskets and you can stay and hang and worship because the worship team's going to come and they're going to sing one of my favorite songs. And then, Richard, if you could just put on the 99 song after that. Listen, so many of us just run out of here and we forget the sermon after five minutes. What's so wrong with just hanging out? You know, honestly, it's 1130. We end early. If you want to beat the Baptist to, to the restaurant, go ahead. You can leave and we're not going to make you feel guilty. But I think we just need to just chill out Make this our Sabbath, which is supposed to last 24 hours, and just hang out with God. But don't feel bad if you have to leave. There's no guilt here. Father, forgive us. Oh, oh, Father, I don't know if I'm speaking for just me or a church or a nation, but forgive us for blaming you when all along all you've wanted to do is love us. And Lord, I know that some things that we go through, that people have gone through in this room, it's very, very difficult to swallow and grasp. I can't imagine losing a child to a school shooting. Can't imagine the pain and the chaos and the turmoil that those parents are going through. Help them to realize that you are with them and that you care and that you love them. And that it was the freedom that you gave man that caused that chaos. Father, if we've broken intimacy with you through sin, help us right now to fix it and help us to say, no more. No more am I going to turn to that thing. I'm done. I'm done. And this isn't a pastor that's talking out of inexperience. I haven't been the perfect little Christian boy my whole life. I, I know what it's like to be addicted to things. You can walk away, I'm telling you, because I'm on the other side of victory of some things that I had to walk away from that I really enjoyed. My flesh really enjoyed them. You can do it. You just have to say no and stop giving in. Stop listening to the serpent. I don't want you to be banished from the banquet. God doesn't want you to be. But we got to start saying no. We, the world needs to see some different Christians. Because the new Christian is they're comfortable with sin. The world really needs to see some holy people. Not perfect, holy. 
striving for perfection in God's eyes. Striving for it, at least trying. At least giving it a shot, not giving up and just saying everybody's doing it. God, help us with our relationship with you. Help us to spend quiet time with you. But help us to trust you with every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. Have a great week if you want to hang out.
Shadow you want 